WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. The Slider Agency on Main Street in Margaretville, a neighborhood independent insurance agency educating consumers about the hazards related to uninsured drivers and about insurance coverage options. Open Monday through Friday, 830 to 5. More information at 845-586-2641 or SliderAgency.com. Home Goods of Margaretville, corner of Main and Bridge Streets in Margaretville, New York. Now carrying spices, flour, jams, mustards, coffee and tea, organic vegetables and fruits, and local eggs, milk, cheese, and baked goods. And, of course, cooking basics and tools of the trade for everyone at home. Home Goods of Margaretville. Open every day. 845-586-4177 or hgom.net. 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's. Designed as a space to support a vibrant and active artistic community nestled within the Catskill Mountains. Now presenting POI POV, an exhibition of mixed media collages by artist Robin Factor that explores interior and exterior landscapes using natural and man-made objects to create a conversation among the works themselves and between the viewer and each individual piece. On view through Sunday, July 24th. Information about 1053 Main Street Gallery in Fleischmann's and upcoming exhibitions at 1053mainGallery.com. Hi, I'm Don Matheson, host of Vantage Point, heard every other Friday at 1 o'clock here on WIOX Roxbury. Live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20. And everywhere at WIOXradio.org. Okay, you're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable TV Channel 20 on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, worldwide at WIOXradio.org and on any mobile 
Device FM radio app. This is from the forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Hey, pretty good. Yeah, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Yeah, what have you been up to? Doing a lot of running around, programs, meeting with members. Um, Getting in the tree a lot more with you. Climbing the tree. Uh, So that's been pretty fun. Um, Doing the Forest Saver, which is doing what? Yeah, uh, doing Forest Savers. So we're doing um, uh, chemical sprays of uh, people's invasive problem vegetation. Things like barberry, multiflora rose, knotweed. Do honeysuckle at all? Uh, here and there. Doesn't uh, seem to be a big problem on the properties I've been called to. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you do over the weekend? I huh? drove up uh, around uh, Whitesboro, Utica area. Uh, visited my parents. Fourth of July. Had a big fire. Listened to fireworks go off. Yeah. It was nice. Nice. Yep, just, uh, I didn't leave my house for, for two straight days, man. <laughs> my family went away to, uh, my in-laws, so my wife's parents, and, um, I had the house to myself, which is kind of weird, and, uh, I literally didn't leave the hill for two days and just messed around with deer hides. The shades and drawn. And... I got them done. No, man, I got two hides, uh, softened into deer skin leather. I never got it, I never gotten that much done this early doing that, so... You know, one it's really cool to see because you learn a lot about deer and their health when you take the hair off. And then especially when you add oil after they've been done tanning and the hemlock liquor and they become leather. Because then all the scars really start to come out and, hmm. and the life of that deer and its life, you know. So one deer I got in Sampsonville. And it was a, probably a year and a half to two and a half year old doe. Um, not that old. And I assume she could be older because there's hardly any food where I live. It's a very mature forest. Um, there's not, there's literally nothing growing except for the invasive species you just mentioned because they don't eat those. So the deer are small. They live tough lives, and her hide showed it. There's just marks all over it. The hide is thin. There's tick bites all mm. over the neck and throughout the rump. And um, the deer was definitely struggling. And the hides don't come out as well when they're struggling so then the second doe i got was in margerville and these deer are much bigger in weight they always are they're healthier um yeah they have an undergrowth issue there as well but there is a little more food there's some bigger fields around Mm. you know some hay fields and stuff like that and her hide was just it was just beautiful i mean very smooth and uh not many marks on it and much bigger deer too Hmm. and uh just thick and full and yeah a couple of tick bites here and there but not nearly as many ticks um so it's kind of cool it's kind of cool to see yeah it's interesting so it comes back to habitat then yeah it does absolutely i can see that written in the skin i guess you can so yeah that's interesting yeah, and uh, I sprayed my trees with Callan clay, the white stuff. Uh, it's really important where I live because I get blasted with so much sunlight. I feel like it cools them down and reflects light a little bit. So that, um, and and also it it suppresses a lot of a lot of the uh, insects that want to eat my leaves and everything. Mm-hmm. So that can be a good thing. That's a, that's about all I did, you know. 
But the grass is slowing down, I'm happy to say. It was growing like crazy yeah. about a month ago. <laughs> so yeah, It seems like we got to mow around the office pretty soon. Yeah. But uh, tonight's topic is critters of interest, rats, rabbits, skunks, and ants. You know, once in a while, we gotta we got to uh, cover some, some small mammals or wildlife that we see in the forest and at the edge of the forest, I guess, as well. And I think we'll do this periodically. You know, we'll just pick some random animals that are interesting to us or whatever. And one of our members, Catskill Forest Association member, asked us to do this. And uh, it's a good idea. So I think we'll touch base with a couple of animals once in a while. But uh, so here it goes. Let's start with uh, rats. The Allegheny wood rat. Did you even know there's rats out there? Honestly, in the forest, no. I just assumed it was... Field mice and chipmunks, but yeah. not rats. You think of a city, that's where you think of rats. Do you know um, a lot of people from our, from the city, uh, a lot of our members are from the city, Catskill Forest Association. They're shocked when they hear me say, I've never actually seen a rat. I've never seen a rat. You, you have. I've never seen a rat. Yeah. John, who's usually on the show, he's seen them in his chicken coop. Hmm. But I have still yet to see a darn rat. So, yeah. Have you seen a rat? I'm thinking back now. I don't know if I've just seen a bunch of small mice, but uh, maybe I've never seen a rat. Not in real life, no. Yeah, I know. Huh, how about that? So, Allegheny wood rat. Uh, the source of this information, some of it is the New York State DEC. But it is endangered, believe it or not, in the state of New York. Hmm. It is the second largest member of North American rats. Probably the biggest one is maybe the rat in New York City. I have no idea. They're probably well-fed much better. Probably. <laughs> I don't even know if they're from there, though. I don't I don't really know about the rat. I'm, su- I'm sure someone knows about that. Yeah. Might have been introduced. I don't know. Yeah. Or definitely have been with humans for a long time. Absolutely. So it can weigh up to one pound. Not very big. 16 inches long. Half of which is their tail. It's brownish gray in color, and the undersides are white. And the tail is different from the European rat in that the European is naked, and the American wood rat, or the Allegheny wood rat, is a hairy tail. Just just so you know, hmm. Zane. All right? Life history. It lives amongst boulders and scree slopes. What's um, a scree slope? Oh, it's like a talus slope underneath a rock outcrop where rocks collect over the... Millennia. Just a bunch of pile of broken rocks sliding down a hill. <clears throat> yeah. So, for example, where I grew up, near the Shangham Ridge in Gardner, Ulster County, one of the largest, if not the largest, scree slope is underneath Millbrook Mountain, which is a section of the Shangham Ridge. Mm. Um, yeah, it's off Brunswick Road. And you can't see the scree slope because it dips and then goes back up. So you just think it's smaller, but it's not. It's a whole valley of scree slope you're not seeing. But in any case, that's like perfect wood rat habitat, which we'll talk about here shortly. Just a bunch of loose rock. Yeah, loose rock. Huh. Yeah, it's pretty neat. You know, um, the Allegheny wood rat is primarily a vegetarian. It eats acorns, plant material, fruit, like uh, probably a lot of blueberries in those scree slopes or at the edges. It seldom goes more than three hundred feet, but will travel miles to find a new home. So, pretty small home range. It lives up to about three years. 
And uh, probably the reason why it's one reason why it's endangered in New York State is that it does not produce many offspring. Hmm. Only one to three per litter. Yeah, it seems really low. Yeah, it's really low. You think they'd be breeding like crazy, but I guess not. Huh. You know. So distribution and habitat. Um, its defense is just it just runs away right through the rocks. Like you most know? rats. Yeah, yeah, quick retreat. Uh, we'll place dried leaves at the entrance to act as an alarm. So it's a smart little guy. That's pretty smart. Yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes I think the whole, a lot of forest animals live in the forest because whenever you're hunting in the fall, you can't go hunting in the mountains when there's dry leaves. Mm. Every Everything knows you're there. They're like, alarm. the whole forest is an alarm system, right? Not a good day to go hunting. But this guy puts it at the entrance of... Uh, where he lives, so he can hear whatever's trying to get him. Um, I would imagine fox, coyote, fisher, probably all predate on the wood rat. Wonder if they have kind of like uh, back doors or exits they can flee out of. You know, I don't know that. But I wouldn't be somebody's surprised. Somebody's at your entrance. You only got one way to go. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, here's here's where it gets weird, though. All right, it, this is this animal is he's kind of strange. And oh, yeah. this is really his downfall. This is why it's endangered, I think. So anyway, it collects human rubbish and environmental oddities to decorate, in mm. quotes, the nest. Um, examples include, like, bones, any kind of garbage. And this is where it gets even more weird. Other animals' feces. Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. More on this later on. This will be very important. Don't forget that, that huh. this wood rat is strange, and it will it will take other animals' feces and put it in its lair for another, some reason. Another rat's trash. Yeah. Another, another rat's treasure. I, I guess so, or or another animal's even, not even another rat. Another um, So this actually, when I'm reading about the Allegheny wood rat, it actually strikes close to home where I grew up on the Shangham Ridge. Uh, It has a long history in New York State going back 20,000 years, Mm -hmm. and most are actually found in the talus of the Shangham Ridge Hudson Highlands. Hmm. I didn't know this, and yet I've never seen a wood rat. They have a pretty narrow range then. I mean, I'm sure I may have seen one, but just didn't know what it was. Because I have seen small little guys through rocks while hiking around. The ridge, but you know it's so fast. I don't, I couldn't say exactly what it was. You know, the status is not good. Okay, there's not many of them. Dan Smiley of the Mohonk um, Mohonk Mountain House. He uh, the fan, you know the, Mo- the Smiley's own Mohonk Mountain House, and I, they're probably really involved with the preserve there. Noticed the decline in the 1970s in the in the Shangham area, and DEC ro- relocated rats from West Virginia. And uh, most failed. And they think the cause is that there's a raccoon roundworm found in raccoon feces. But remember, this strange rat likes to decorate with other animals' feces. Mm. You picked the wrong feces. So it's bringing probably roundworm. And, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I don't don't like to think it's suicide, but I I think this animal's killing itself, man. Yeah, so it vectored some sort of pathogen or roundworm that killed the population, but that's just the theory, or is that's that a, a known cause? Well, they know there's there's raccoon roundworm, from what I read, that is mm-hmm. killing them. Um, 
But you would say maybe playing devil's advocate. Well, it's been raccoons in the area for a long time. I mean, why is this happening all of, all of a sudden now? Could be a mixture of maybe it's cyclical. Who knows? Maybe it's 30, 40, 50-year cycles. Mm. I don't know. But what they might think is that as human development maybe increases, you get more raccoons because there's more garbage. And raccoon population goes up, so maybe the wood rats are kind of impacted by that increased raccoon population. I don't know. Mm. Could be. Has there been a, I mean, decline in talus slopes? Is it their habitat that's being lost? I would say there's no change in talus slopes. Mm. Raccoons, I question whether there really is more. I mean, I feel like I used to see them all the time when I was a kid in the 1980s. And I don't, I, it's very rare to see a raccoon now. I mean, I, I see them, but not like then. Mm-hmm. But that could, that's completely anecdotal. I really don't know how raccoons are doing these days in Ulster County mm-hmm. or southern Ulster County, rather. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know? the most I've seen were, was in Syracuse when I lived there briefly. Yeah. It's the most I've encountered on uh, a nightly basis in my whole life. Biggest raccoons I ever saw was when I lived briefly in Boulder, Colorado. Huh. They're huge. They're really big. And they would be in most trash cans when you walked by them on campus. I mean, huge. They're like small bears, man. I mean, not that big, but like a bear cub, you know? Huge, just just gigantic and fat and happy and just didn't care about you. You go throw something out, there'd be a raccoon in there staring back at you. (laughs) All of his buddies, too. Yeah, they'd surprise people all the time, too. You hear people like screaming across campus. Ah, God! <laughs> Trash pandas, they call. Yeah. So I don't know. That's that's my story on uh, on the um, Allegheny wood rat. You have anything to add to the Allegheny wood rat? I'd like to see one. I'd like to. Uh, probably wouldn't know what to call it if I did see one. Didn't know if there were wood rats or any such thing as a wood rat. Yeah, I guess the place to go is, um, you know, like people rock climbing and stuff on the on the Shangam Ridge, you know, or some people might call it the gunks or whatever. But yeah, that would be the place. Maybe below Giant Ledge, I guess. You know, in uh, if you're in the Catskills, you know, that's a big rocky area. Um, maybe the, you know the Devil's Path Range or the Devil's Devil's Range there in, in Greene County. There's probably some cliffs. Maybe there's some wood rats under it. I don't know. I think you find them in old quarries. Maybe an old quarries, quarries, you know. Yeah, that's a yeah, maybe. I wonder where they got. They have to get water somewhere. I can imagine it's pretty hot, dry. Yeah, out in those talus slopes. I don't know. Right. Well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. Tonight's topic is critters of interest: rats, rabbits, skunks, and ants. And uh, next, we'll talk about rabbits. Oh yeah. Gets right, let's harmonize. We'll be dynamite. I'll yodel the high notes. I've done it for years. Good deal, old buddy. I'll pull the beer. There's always some lady alone at the bar. And you just gotta tell them just who you are. I know a couple of gals that we can call hell. They'll shake the picture right off of the wall. We're barroom buddies, and that's the best kind. Nobody fools with a buddy of mine. I'll laugh when you're happy, and I'll cry when you're blue. 
We're barroom buddies and we're doing fine. All oh, me and nothing, we got nothing but time. Oh, chug a lug a lugging, barroom buddy of mine. Maybe it's time we called it a night. Hell, we'll wake up the roosters if we drink them real slow. Hey, pour us a double and a six-pack to go. Yeah, we're barroom buddies, and that's the best kind. Nobody fools with a buddy of mine. I'll laugh when you're happy, and I'll cry when you're blue. Yeah, we're barroom buddies, and we're doing fine. So pour me another wig and nothing but time. We'll chug a lug a luggin', barroom buddy of mine. Chasing, tail kicking, guitar picking, oh hustle, oh chug a lug a lug and barroom body of mine. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic, and uh, tonight's topic is critters of interest, rats, rabbits, skunks, and ants. We just covered the Allegheny wood rat. We're going to move on to the rabbit. Um, Eastern Cottontail. Not to be confused with the New England Cottontail, Hmm. which apparently you can only tell the difference by, like, uh, I don't know, doing a DNA analysis on it or studying its skull very carefully Hmm. but um i don't know i'm skeptical but they say it only exists east of the hudson river the new england cottontail and then west of it it's just uh right eastern cotton you believe this i guess it's true i don't know they can't swim i i mean what the hell you know (laughs) you you think they'd be they'd be here like too you know but apparently they're not i don't know but we have the Eastern Cottontail. So, so there. Um, Eastern Cottontail. Description. Again, yeah, a lot of this comes from the DC. Long ears and hind legs. Tail is short and fluffy. You've seen them. Upper parts of the chest and rump are pinkish or reddish to grayish, sprinkled with black. And the underparts are, uh, are pinkish. Brown eyes are encircled with a white or buff. And... This I didn't know. I mean, this is why I like doing this stuff because I see rabbits all the time. We have a lot of rabbits where I live on, on, on the road I live on. Hmm. And when we go for a walk, we count rabbits. But it's amazing what you don't notice until someone points it out or you read about it. And it says has a light brown spot is present on the forehead. So I didn't know that. Something to look for. If it has that, it's got to be an eastern cottontail. Hmm. So. so you ever see, like, baby rabbits or you just see the adult rabbits hopping around? Yeah, actually... Um, in the orchard, inside the fence, the deer exclosure I have, there was some under an autumn and uh, they were, there was a bunch of them. Yeah. Just uh, in the grass? Yeah, under the thick shrubs, you know? Well, when I was growing up, uh, I remember one day, I was playing frisbee with my, bro- frisbee with my brother out in the backyard, and 
we have like a magnolia and it's got all this ground cover i think myrtle at the time we just saw this movement movement in the myrtle so we started investigating and <laughs> we ended up pulling out like like 10 or 15 baby rabbits and just putting them in a bucket um you know they, they weren't uh fleeing from the from the myrtle at all so we were able to just capture them and uh we didn't know what to do with them. It was so easy. And then we looked in on the wood line. I guess it was like the, the mother rabbit, and she was just kind of off in the distance watching us. And we felt kind of bad, so we just dumped them all out, and they ran back to the wood line. But I don't know. I guess they're always hiding is my point. They're easy to catch. I mean, I could have caught, I could have caught it if I wanted to. didn't seem like it was that fast. Huh. But I didn't mess with them because I'm not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> we let them go. Nah, you guys were kids, though. I, I get it. This is like only a few years ago. I was surprised at how many of them there were. Yeah. It's like the last ones were easy because they, they felt like all their uh, siblings, all right, they were already in the bucket, I guess. They'll yeah. just wait to be captured. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, what I didn't know is, okay, so they're about 1.8 to 3 pounds, and the females are slightly larger than the males. I didn't know that. Hmm. Okay. Differs from the New England cottontail only by skull characteristics and DNA. So it's really hard to tell the difference between these New England cottontails. The range and habitat. Most of the eastern United States below 1,000 feet in elevation. It's going to be eastern cottontail. Uh, you start getting higher and you might run into snowshoe, you know. Hmm. I don't see too many snowshoe. Uh, where I used to work on Slide Mountain... Yeah, it's about 4,180 feet. There's nothing but snowshoe hair up there or varying hair where they turn white in the winter and brown in the summertime. You know their tracks pretty well? I mean, any rabbit track up there is going to be snowshoe hair from what I know. Hmm. But why? I'm just curious. Yeah. Now they'd come out at night. So when everyone leaves... Yeah, around four or so, hiking hikers kind of drop off because they're getting off the mountain. And then before dark, so, you know, in the summer around seven or eight, it's starting the sun's starting to dip below Kingston there, or, or um, I'm sorry, the other way around. <laughs> um, the snowshoes would come out, and they'd, they'd eat, like, little crumbs of what people left behind while they're eating on top of the mountain. Mm. And I would just, yeah, they'd be right next to me, really. Mm. They're not scared. And they're big. Not bigger than a cottontail. At least they look like it. What do you think? They're like five pounds? Four maybe. Five pounds? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. There's so much fur, it's hard to, you know? Yeah, that's true. They seem bigger than they are. But there's balsams up there, and it's thick. So that gives them cover from other predators like, you know, fox and fisher and everything else that, you know, would have a tougher time going through that really thick, coniferous growth of balsam. So. Yeah. But uh, to me, rabbits are kind of like miniature deer. Very similar diets. They're browsers. You know, they eat a lot of woody vegetation. They eat a lot of plant material. The only difference is that they can't reach as high, so the rabbit browse line is like two feet, depending on the snow hmm. depth. And always look for the brow the way the material's cut. Right, if it's if it looks like someone put a pruners on it, it's probably a rabbit. And if it's ripped off, it's a deer. Because they don't have incisors, mm-hmm. deer don't. So the rabbits have those uh, incisors, those sharp frontal teeth. Well, yeah, I guess so. Huh. But they they snip it off like someone took a like a pruners. Hmm. So 
Yeah, I, uh, I was at a member's property over in Green County, or um, Halkett Center recently, and they were like, yeah, no, we we fenced in this area, our shrubbery, away from the rabbit. And I go, well, it's not working. They go, why? <laughs> like, because all these bushes are, that's rabbit brows, you know? They're like, no way. I'm like, why? Oh. Somehow it's getting in. I don't know. Maybe maybe when the snow depth was higher, it went over. I don't know, but it's it's not working. Yeah. They're pissed off. They're <laughs> genuinely mad. These people put a lot of energy into their shrubs. They underestimated the critter. Maybe they'll yeah. learn something new. Maybe they, I don't know, climb or something. I don't know. Yeah, they eat my azaleas. I had to fence them in. Young, my young azaleas, the older one, once the material gets older, they don't go for it as much, but... My young young azaleas, even multiflora rose, the deer, by the way, will browse. They browse multiflora down to the ground where I live when they're young. Oh. Autumn olive, same thing. These are all invasive things that they don't normally eat, but when they're young, they're so starving where I am. Anyway, um, most of the eastern U.S., below 1,000 feet, expanded range into forest edges, fields, brushy areas. Uh, expanded with the advent of agriculture and possible introductions. So... Edge habitat, early successional growth, farm abandonment. That's what really spreads this rabbit. Mm-hmm. When uh, I used to go to New Hampshire with my ex-girlfriend, she would be really – like they don't have as many cottontails there because New Hampshire is really mature forest, mm-hmm. uh, thickly forested. Whereas in New York State, we have some better farmland, better soils, and there's a little variety in age classes of, of forests. And a lot of edges. There's a lot of rabbits in places, you know? So, uh, yeah, she'd be like, look, a rabbit. And I'd be like, that was a big deal. Freaking rabbit, right? Just a rabbit. Just a rabbit. Just calm down. So that, was you know? the, that wasn't the eastern cottontail? That was it was the, the cottontail, yeah. Oh, yeah. But they don't, they don't really have them in New Hampshire. And a lot of these uh, rabbits, their populations have, have uh, sunk quite a bit in, uh, you know, Vermont, New Hampshire, you know, older mm-hmm. forest, you know. Part, many portions of the Catskills where it's old, older forest, you're not going to have rabbits. Uh, same thing would be true in the northern Green Mountains or Western Mass in the Berkshires. I'm sure it's the same. Mm. So um, oh, that's pretty cool. The the does, which are, I, I don't know, is that is that right? Does, which is female rabbits? I don't know if that's true. Maybe. Huh. Oh, does not burrow. Never mind. Oh. Just forget what I just said. <laughs> It does not burrow into the ground. It lives in hollow logs, debris, etc. So it doesn't do any of that. No burrowing. So just because it doesn't burrow, it's going to need young plants. Just that alone. That's a habitat requirement. Hmm. All right. Food, like I said before, it's like a miniature deer. Its diet is very similar. It's a, it's a browser. eats fresh greens. All right. It's getting weird again, though. <laughs> Eats its own feces to recover some of the nutrients. Whoa, wait. Okay. <laughs> Times are tough. I mean, Times are tough. <laughs> Tell you what. Yes. Yeah, so, that yeah. is a, uh, you know, that, that's a strategy I've heard. It's one strategy. There's, there's uh, yeah, seconds. There's nutrients. There's water in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Birds do that. Robins do that. Is that right? Yeah. I know birds do that, huh? I watched this interesting video once where they explained why uh, robins' nests are so clean. You know, where does all the uh, droppings go? And the mama bird will consume those. 
Because she's spending all her days trying to get worms and other insects, but she will take away the waste. No kidding. Yeah. I did not know that. All right. I guess it, it's what you learn from just watching a nest for a long period of time. You start to observe all these cool things, I guess. But huh. Yeah, it's a strategy. All right. Hey, Helps reduce, reuse, recycle, I guess. <laughs> all right. Activity. When they're moving around, they move at twilight and moonlit nights. So, yeah, when I go for a walk at night and the moon's out, I see bunny ears all over the place in the fields. They're, they're moving all over the place. Hmm. They can leap up to 15 feet. That's wow. Pretty, yeah, man. That is, uh, that's really high. Yeah, that, that's far. They can run up to 18 miles per hour. But you, you've seen rabbits run. What they do is they, they do a tight angle to try to mess up the predator, right? Mm. So they'll run, 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 and then take a big angle, you know? They'll juke. They'll fake you out. Yeah. Or it just remains still. I don't think that's a good tactic. You know, I can usually spot a rabbit out pretty fast. Mm. Those bunny ears always give it away, man. But sometimes they'll remain still. Sometimes that works, I guess. I think if half the wildlife stays still, people just walk past them. Yeah. Thing is, rabbits are always in the middle of the grass, you know? That's why it doesn't really work. Deer, yeah, I totally agree with you. Like, if they just stayed still a lot of times, you would never see them. And a lot of old bucks will probably do that. Hmm. And you walk, you probably, how many bucks they probably walked by, who knows? But um, a lot of times they'll run, you'll be like, you didn't even know they're there, you know? Yeah, we we jumped a deer today, a, a fawn, just laying in a pile of leaves. Um, so with that spotted coat, it blended right in. It's probably like eight feet away, standing there talking with a member. And it's yeah. only when we moved uh, a little further beyond that it finally spooked it and it jumped up, ran away. Huh. Yeah, I don't understand that sometimes. Reproduction, February, March until September. These guys are not like the Allegheny wood rat, who only has a few per litter. Multiple litters, four or five per litter, um, sometimes three to eight, or four or five litters with three to eight wabbits per litter. So, so reproduction yes. is, begins in February and March until September. Right, and they can have four or five litters. The gestation period is about 28 to 30 days, so every 30 days they could be spitting out a litter between those wow. Two months. Yeah. Female digs a depression and covers with litter or hair, like the fur from her, from from other rabbits or herself. Will scratch intruders with hind feet to protect young. I've never seen that with humans. I think they're too scared to do that. But um, I guess they do it to predators. I don't know. The swift kick. Yeah, swift hind leg. kick. Yeah. Huh. You need to see. Never seen it. If you were a wood rat, that probably hurt a lot. Yeah. I would think so. Social system. All right. It's not like Walt Disney says. They're mainly solitary, except during the breeding season. That's it. And then the male is out. He does not stick around. There's no alimony. He's gone. That's it. And then that's it. So uh, the males do not stick around to raise a young. Occupies about two to seven acres. Yeah, so each wabbit will... Uh, Occupy about two seven acres and fifteen to one hundred acres in poor habitat. Why? Because they gotta they gotta cover a bigger area to get the same amount of nutrients. Hmm. Which is probably no good. Hundred acres, man, that's For I don't know. Seems like a lot. But anyway. So the males just move on? 
Yeah, they move on. And two and a half rabbits per acre in optimal habitat. Well, that I totally believe. There's a lot of rabbits where I live. There's definitely two and a half rabbits per acre. There's probably more. Yeah, they're underneath my wood piles. They're at the forest edges. They're inside the orchard. Um, the fence probably provides some protection. You ever see, you ever see a, a rabbit run through a fence? It's pretty awesome. Because I used where they kind of get stuck and they gotta no. squeeze their way through it. And they kind of pissed me off a little bit because they were starting to uh, browse some of my young shrubs like years ago. So I would irrationally chase them around the orchard. And I, this is the day I stopped chasing them. Is when. A deer fence, a true deer fence, like has um, smaller slots at the bottom, and they get the rectangles get bigger as you go up. Mm. And the smaller one is probably like I don't know, like four inches in length, and then in height is probably like an inch and a half. Mm. It's not that wide, right? So I'm chasing it towards the fence, and I'm like, I got him. This is gonna be great. This guy jumps up and just goes right through the hole. And I was like, holy crap, how did he do that? And it's because they're so much smaller than you think, you know? It's just, they're mostly just fur. So when he jumped up and went through that, I was like, forget it. That was crazy. Can't stop these guys. Because I, I have a fence all the way around, a chicken wire, huh. around the whole bottom of my orchard, around that deer fence. So to keep out rabbits, well, it doesn't work. They can jump over it. And you just gave up after that? Yeah, they, to be fair, they haven't been as numerous in there, but um, also the trees have grown up, so it's less less of an issue. But anyway, where what's was the, I? What's the biggest damage they can do to a tree? Just curling yeah, You know it. what it was? was the blueberries. The blueberries oh. would send out new suckers, and they would browse them off. Hmm. And, you know, so that's what I didn't want them to do. Other than that, not not really much. I don't have much damage from them. Okay, so that's where it gets kind of cool. How do they communicate? Adults... So Disney's got this one right. Adults thump their hind feet when danger is nearby. That's pretty neat. The females grunt to gather the young. Young squeal when separated. I've heard that. I mean, if you're a predator calling, you do a rabbit squeal to call in like a fox or a coyote. High-pitched scream when hurt or captured. It sounds pretty bad. And then there's posturing between the sexes during courtship. That's, that's, uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, posturing. All right. They chase each other, males and females, in reverse. So, uh, you know, do the whole courtship thing. And they raise and lower their chins and ears and their hindquarters in that posturing, Hmm. courtship, whatever. That's interesting. That's the. Did you know that? No. Yeah, see? Eastern Cottontail. Yeah, so there you go. Eastern Cottontail. Um, I'd like to see one jump 15 feet. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd really like to see that in action. Well, up next, we're going to talk about the striped skunk. Maybe there's a few things you don't know about this guy, but uh, we'll see. Come down on not today Did you meet your 
you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Tonight's topic is critters of interest, rats, rabbits, skunks, and ants. And uh, I guess we got to kind of rifle through this a little bit. We are running out of time, man. Hmm. Skunks. Description. Size of a cat. Used used to be separate from the weasel family, but now they're all by themselves. They used to be included with the weasel they family. smell that bad, huh? Yeah, yeah, they took them out. So the fur is excellent, like all weasels, but overshadowed by its potent squirt, right? The distribution and habitat, um, forest regrowth inhibits skunks. Again, kind of an early successional species. Mm-hmm. It needs young stuff growing. Uh, lawns are good for skunks and mass producing shade trees like oak trees and stuff biology and behavior they breed in february march and give birth in may feed on berries grasses nuts plants worms insects grubs bird nestlings mice rabbits woodchucks and they use the woodchucks hole too how about that eat them then take its house okay i get it feed at night or at dawn and uh, so this is why we probably don't see as many skunks. Uh, they're just they're out when we're not. They do not hibernate, but they remain inactive for extended periods. So when you see males or um, skunks in the wintertime, it uh, most likely are males that can become active above ground periodically. Besides raccoons, they are the largest vector of rabies, and they are preyed upon by coyotes, fox, owl, bobcat, fisher. So... Let's get to uh, where people know skunks the most or what they know them for is preventing conflicts, right? Again, it's according to New York State DEC. Skunks seem to strike the most odor in the fall, and it's because they are searching for a place to overwinter, Hmm. like under your porch, uh, under a foundation or a shed or something like that. And so if you don't want to get squirted, uh, you might want to keep your dog in because if mm. your dog is out and about and it riles up a uh, skunk, it's probably one you, that that's what can cause the, maybe the most problems. I've also heard that the spray, um, I don't know how they found this out, but highly flammable. Flammable? Yeah. Really? I, I've read that. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. We got to light this on fire. <laughs> That's that's crazy. Yeah, didn't know that. Didn't know that at all. So, tighten up the house and keep dogs leashed is probably the best way to prevent anxious skunks. Handling trapped skunks. This is interesting. I don't know if I got the gall or the bravery to do this, though. I did see Gary Mead doing it, who's on every third Wednesday. I saw him doing this, handling a skunk in a trap. But apparently, when you have one in a box trap... They are actually less likely to squirt you. Hmm. Um, for some reason, when they feel trapped, they don't want to do it. If you cover the box trap with a blanket, it's even better. Hmm. So, would you do it, Zane? Would you do it? I do have experience with a trap and a skunk. You do? I have a heart trap. I had to right. put it in a, a trash bag because I had to transport it in my car, get it away from my Plastic apartment. trash bag? Yeah. Jesus Open Christ. on one end. It wasn't closed. It was just open <laughs> on one end. But good thing I did it because it did spray. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, well, I smell it. I mean, everyone knows what it smells like. Yeah, right. It's one of those, it's good part of uh, upstate New York. You go out at night and you just smell it. You don't see the skunk, you don't hear it, but every once in a while you get that whiff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of like it. You kind of like it. I don't know. It's not so bad once it gets to you if it's drifting over, but. Yeah, weird guy, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you kind of like it. I yeah, I guess it's uh, one of those reminiscent of the summer and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could see For that. For me. Okay, I get it. Management. The Believe it or not, um, the fur prices, people used to trap this thing for its fur. It's really nice fur. Uh, it peaked in the 1930s and 40s, but never exceeded that of the Red Fox. There is a limited open harvest at present on the skunk. So mm. you can, you can uh, hunt these things, trap them, whatnot. All right, so that brings us, we got 10 minutes left, to the Allegheny Mound Ant. Just for last. That's right. This is a cool thing, man. This reminds me of being a kid, you know? But anyway, you found one recently. Yeah, uh, on a member's property. This was up in uh, Greene County. Um, it was a very weird call. She, 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 she said she found these mounds that look like like a shallow grave it looked like just a buried body uh so during a consultation we checked them out and yeah they were giant ant mounds and only later did i realize that they were i guess allegheny ant mounds these giant uh kind of dirt mounds that these uh colonies built up right in this old uh cattle pasture have you did you see them when you were growing up no I really yeah you know what was the habitat like were you or or you were a kid? Uh well we just had uh hardwood forests, pockets of forest around these uh neighborhoods. Yeah. Um very sandy yeah. soils, I always remember. Well so that makes sense maybe why you didn't, because it seems like uh where I grew up it was um there was gonna be a development that failed in the early nineteen eighties, maybe the late seventies, and it started growing up to trees, but it was still kind of open. So that's what they need. They need open land, but not necessarily a lawn, but mm-hmm. like, you know, abandoned pasture or a pasture that's starting to, you know, recently abandoned or an abandoned development. And they, they were all over the place all the time. We'd find them, you know, kids are kids, and we'd thrash through them yeah. and look at the ants. And uh, that's that's why I saw them. And but I don't see them as much anymore, and I think it's because the forest has regrown. But um, the Allegheny Mound Ant, according to the University of Maine, is native throughout eastern North America, from Nova Scotia to Georgia. And like I said, I used to encounter them as a kid all the time. Requires open forested areas, old field habitats that have plenty of sunlight or lack tall vegetation. So no no tree canopy. Mm -hmm. The Allegheny Mound Ant has a reddish-orange head or thorax with black abdomen and legs. The colony can apparently contain more than one queen, and she is normally somewhat larger than than the workers. You know, we're talking like a half inch. The whole life cycle of these ants from egg to adult is about two to three months. So let's talk about the mound, though. The mound's the cool part, right? I mean, something so small can create something so big is always kind of interesting. Mounds are used by ants as a solarium. Huh? Pretty neat. Yeah. And... <laughs> This uh, this mound is used to incubate the young, so but this is this is where it gets kind of cool I think too to keep the vegetation off the mound these little insects inject their own herbicide into the plants, 
and in the form of formic acid. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're doing some weed control, man, on that mound. Keep it warm. The lack of vegetation keeps temperatures up. Afterwards, after they kill vegetation, the ants add some thatch to protect the mound from water damage. So, because you you know when a raindrop hits bare mineral soil, you get erosion. Yeah. They know that. They know that. Yeah, they're so they yeah they put thatch on there, and uh, now there's less water damage, and the temperature extreme. So it's not you know like 98 degree day, full sunlight. It would be too hot. Hmm. So they regulate the temperature. They put hmm. a little thatch on it. Huh? Impressed? Yeah, that's... Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, during the winter, the ants dig deeper into the mound to escape colder temperatures. Who can blame them? All right. But there's more. There's added benefits. During the summer, the worker ants provide the incubating larvae with any insect they can find. So this is important, because if you do have these guys... And you have a garden nearby, they kill like all your pests. Yeah. That could be cool. Yeah, don't kick the mounds. Don't kick, don't kick them. Stay off the mound. Hey, kids, <laughs> get off the mound. <laughs> Since larvae need plenty of food, surrounding humans involved in small gardens or fruits can benefit from the ants. Right? They eat just about any pest that attack their crops. However, the downside is they only have a radius of like 50 to 100 feet from that mound. Hmm. They're not going too far. All right. That, that would be the ant's browse line on the pest population. All right, and then uh, a few more minutes here. Estimating their population. So what are we talking about here for mounds, like size-wise? All right, so you can actually estimate their population by looking at the mound diameter. Mm-hmm. All right, so for instance, a 6 to 18-inch mound, not very big, would have about 500 to 3,000 ants. An 18 to 36, so a foot and a half, to... Three feet will have a thousand to six thousand ants, and a thirty-six inch to sixty inch, which is what you may have found. Yeah, these were big mounds. This will have about three thousand to ten thousand ants. Zane, three to ten thousand. So I'm saying, huh? That's what I'm I saying. believe it. I feel like there'd be more, but I know. Um, maybe millions. Well, of when ants. you say anything like that, like ten thousand, sounds like a lot. Yeah, I don't even know what. 10, I would think ants there'd would be more. Like. Yeah, you would think there'd be more. I mean, that's like over four feet and 10,000 ants. I don't know. Hmm. I don't well, anyway, know. it's 10,000 ants. <laughs> My nightmare. <laughs> All right. The conservation of this ant, it hinges upon a lot of insects, obviously, to, for them to prey upon. And uh, plenty of overhead light, so you can't have trees and overhead shade on the mound. So, in other words, insecticides that might kill the colony's prey may reduce their presence, and large mature trees will surely shade them out. So that's if you want the Allegheny mound ant. It's not to be confused with fire ants that they have down south, which are miserable and uh, cause a lot of pain. I've encountered those as well. Yeah, and when I was in the Marines and we got down the prone, this northerner found out about fire ants. Um, You know, you'd be laying there, they tell you not to move. But then you realize you're in a pile of fire ants. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. I've noticed their uh, colonies there, they're flat. The ones I found in parks are yeah. flat along the ground. I mean, it's hot enough there. They actually have to probably burrow, go underground more so than yeah. than they would up here. There are a lot of fire ants down the there. Heat. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about, like, pines. 
pine plantations, open fields amongst pines where they were doing burning and stuff, and a lot of sand and a lot of fire ants. But uh, you learn that once, and then when you go to flop down in the prone, you look first for fire ants. But some people, they, they, uh, they go into, uh, what do you call it? They just swell up, and that's it, man. They can't breathe. The anaphylactic shock yeah, order? anaphylactic shock. Yeah, they're, they're just allergic to it. Yeah, I've got bitten on my leg. I mean, they definitely get your attention, but yeah, um, I don't know. I didn't have any bad reaction or anything. So that's what we covered today. We'll we'll do this again. We'll we'll you know choose some other critters. But tonight's show was uh, the Allegheny wood rat, eastern cottontail rabbit, striped skunk, and the Allegheny mound ant. Lesser known critters. Yeah, I mean the rabbit's not lesser known, but yeah. you know you always learn something. I don't know. I was going to do uh, Mank, but, um, you know, there's only so much time. Hey, I learned about wood rats. Yeah, I don't know anything about wood rats before this. Like I said, I've still never seen a rat, but... All right, we got about 45 seconds left, and uh, I don't know. What should we do next for an animal? you have anything in mind? Next for an animal? Oh, racking my brain. Yeah, we got we got to go into the owls a little bit. Hmm. You know, I, well, I was going to do Flying Squirrel, but I've already done it. Flying Squirrel is the best. You ever seen a Flying Squirrel actually fly through the air? No, I have not. Yeah, well, that's a story for another time. But um, up next week, I think we might be talking about bats with uh, with Chris Bloom, but I'm not sure. Well, I'll check in on that. If if he doesn't come on, then his father, who is an arborist, will, t- will come on and talk about that. But we'll see if we can talk about bats. Bats are always interesting. And uh, rats that, with wings. Bat, what's that? Rats with wings. Rats with wings. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> so you've been told. Yeah. I don't know too much about bats, but a little bit. We've had we've had a guy from University of uh, or Penn State come on and talk about bats in the past. But that's all the time we have in front of the forest. And see you next week. Good night, everyone. The neon lights were flashing and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead, and the wine was running low. And the old man came home from the forest. His tears fell on the sidewalk as he stumbled in. A dozen faces stopped to stare, but no one stopped to speak. For his castle was a hallway, and the bottle was his friend. And the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way. Ragged coat around him as upon his cot he lay And he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way Getting lost like a fool in the forest And as he lay there sleeping a vision did appear Upon his mantle shining the face of one so dear Who'd loved him in the springtime of a long forgotten year
flowers did bloom in the forest. She touched his grizzled fingers and she called him by his name. And then he heard the joyful sound of children at the games in an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town where the river runs down from the forest. 